Welcome to the Unmachine Yourself podcast, facilitated by Hatch and hosted by me, Rowan van Forst. I'm a futures anthropologist, and in this series, I get to speak with CEOs, managers of big corporates, thought leaders about the future of work and leadership. Have fun. Hey, it's Rowan. So this is different than what we typically do. Typically, you will hear a fixed intro, always the same one. Um, And then I introduce my guests with whom I am sitting at that moment in some studio. But recently from one of our listeners, we got awesome feedback and his name is Remco Thomason. So if you're listening, thank you so much because this has been really helpful. And it's always kind of amazing to kind of have contact with the listeners. So if you're a listener, hi. I'm happy to be in contact with you. And if you're Remco happening to be listening, thank you so much. Because what he said was that he liked the podcast with, um, which I'm really, really happy always to hear that. Um, But he also said we, or he at least, would like to hear even a bit more or make it a bit more personal uh, and really introduce each guest per guest. And he also had some other great tips with which will be working and we're trying to uh, get a couple of those done. Um, But I thought, you know, why not start immediately with this one? So I'm happy to introduce today the guests that I recorded a while ago. And I thought it was a really interesting, but especially inspiring episode. It was an episode that I recorded not in the studio. Typically we have a Hatch studio in which we welcome all of our guests. Uh, But this time we had a Zoom conversation and that was because this guest, Louis de Jager, is from Belgium and um, he was kind of stuck in Belgium as we were all stuck in our lives during the Corona period, peak times. Now, Louis is a greenpreneur and what I really loved about this conversation is that he gives a lot of tips about how you can feel less helpless. I mean, you know, I don't want to sound vague or too idealistic or naive, but sometimes I have that as well. You look around in the world and it seems polarizing and it seems as if we're battling all these fights or struggles or wars, perhaps even the war on, I don't know, climate change, the war on Corona, the war on deep fake news, you know, all these things. And it can feel overwhelming, right? And especially if you have a company or you work in a company and you do that for the right reasons, like, sure, you want to earn money and you want to have a good time with your colleagues, but you also want to do something in the world. Well, we at Hatch see that as the future of entrepreneurship, as the future of companies. But we also see that it can be overwhelming. And and I have that a lot myself, I have to admit. Like I'm a futurist and I read all these reports and I'm thinking about them and building future scenarios for for companies, for et cetera. And uh, sometimes I think, oh, but how? And there comes in Louis. And we're talking how to battle that sense of helplessness and how to do the impossible, pretty much. He co-founded a train company which brought night trains back into Europe, Uh, but he does way more. And we basically talk about a range of those things. Um, He does a lot on sustainable farming, 
Um, he really shows how you can play a role in saving our planet and not, you know, in a very nitty gritty way, but actually by establishing things that are pretty cool. So we talk about why you should do exactly what feels too scary to do, how that basically is a key or a trigger that shows you what you can do. We talk about the two main reasons why people don't start up a business, although they may have a really good plan. We talk about his personal tip to reach sustainable success and become a pioneer tree. And I really loved this part of our conversation. So stay tuned until you get about uh, the part where we talk about trees and how trees work and how they do things in the world. Um, I promise you it's worth it. And he also explains why he believes that aiming high is a safe bet. I hope you will find this episode super inspiring. Hope to see you next time. Bye. Louis de Jager traveled around the world for five years and saw that we're destroying it. And at the same time, he found out that people feel helpless about this. So what did he do? He co-founded a train company, Moonlight Express, bringing night trains back into Europe, going from Belgium to Germany. And that's only one of his many projects. He does way more. He did years of research into sustainable farming, visiting projects from New York to Morocco, wrote a book about the future of agriculture. And with a simple and clear message, he shows how we as a normal citizen can play a role in saving our planet with every bite we take, every travel we go. He's an international keynote speaker and designs permaculture and food forest forms. He's the co-founder of Bye Bye Grass and Food Forest Institute. And his ambition is to transform 15% of the European agriculture into food forest. Wow, and welcome, Louis. Hi, thank you very much for having me here. Wonderful to talk to you. So I, we're going to talk about the future, right? Because you have all these ideas of how our future should look like, uh, what we can do. But I want to start with a very simple question that I ask all my guests, and that is, before you started doing all this, and when you were still a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, as a little kid, I was really hyperactive. I ran around in the garden. I had my own vegetable garden. Um, and I always wanted to fix things. One of the things that if people ask me, what do you want to do later in life? I wanted to be free. and then. As a child, I participated in rallies against the cutting down of the forests. So then little by little, it became clear that in my DNA, there's a rebel inside me. And I wanted to change things and make things better. That has been the driving force since I was a child. Until yeah, and, now. And, and when did you, when in your life did you realize that you, that you really wanted to take a leadership role, that you really wanted to be an entrepreneur and do stuff with all those ideals? Yeah. So when I was 18 years old, I visited a permaculture farm in Mexico and I was so enthralled by the magic of creating a place to have your own food, being self-sufficient, that I said, wow, I want to dedicate my life to this. And I started studying this for a couple of years on my own and I traveled the world for around five years. And then I came back to Belgium, where I'm originally from. And then I had a point in my life Then I had to say, all right, or... I'm going to do something about this or I'm going to just know that the world is perishing. I know what the answers are and I'm just going to look and see it happen. And that moment I decided 
Now I'm just going to do everything to fucking make it happen. And then because some of these things seem to come really natural to you. I mean, if you say you were rallying and if you say that you wanted to be free and, you know, walked around in the garden, it all seems to be one big red line in your life. But then I'm pretty sure that you also had to learn things in order to actually, you know, create businesses. So what do yeah. you think, if we're talking about capabilities that you have to have as an entrepreneur, what do you think that you had to learn most or what was for you the most important skill that you had to acquire in order to get where you are now? Right. Well, I'm an addict to listen to books. Uh, I constantly listen to books. And one of the things I heard that really inspired me was um, if you're scared of something, you should do it. And so I, I knew um, a couple of years ago, I wanted to, to start a business and I didn't know anything about it, but I know I had to go and network. So I went to some a huge networking event uh, near where I live. And I was so scared because I didn't know anybody there. I was away for five years. And I just said, okay, I'm afraid to talk to that guy now. I'm going to do it because you have to do what you're afraid of. And then I started to talk. I started pitching my ideas, just talking about it. And then just constantly getting feedback of the things you want to do. Because the moment you start speaking with people, they give you feedback and then it pivots. Then it, it, it becomes more and more clear and it more and more narrowed down on what path you should uh, choose to go on to. And so I repeated this step like dozens of times, went to boot camps of uh, entrepreneurship until the moment that I was mentally ready to really start a business because you're not born with it. Uh, it was a huge leap forward to really just start it. And it wasn't easy. It's I, I, I love this for two reasons. I think one is that I used to be like this, and this is maybe nice for listeners just to get an advice. I, I'm an academic, and so I had to go to a lot of conferences where it's really common, like you, you do your speech, you sit in talks, um, but then that's not the worst part. But the worst part is the lunchtime, because then you have your name tag on, and people will actually see where you work for, et cetera. And you're supposed to go stand in line with your little plate and get your sandwiches <laughs> and then do talks. And I would stand in a corner because I'm not a group person. I don't like that. I don't like to have shallow talk with people. And then my dad, who's a psychologist, once learned to taught me, he said, you know what you have to do? You just challenge yourself at every conference. I will walk up to three people that I think are interesting or nice. And I will talk to those people. And after you did that, you can pat yourself on the back and you just <laughs> have your sandwich. And I started doing that. And it's exactly how you say it. it's like yeah. you train yourself in the awkwardness and yeah. it becomes easier. At some point you have your pitch. It's easier to introduce yourself. The conversation flows. And you also dare to walk away again if you find yeah. like this is not what I find useful. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like you say, most of the time you have great experiences. People are friendly people and other people are as afraid as you are or are, are as uncertain sometimes as you are. And they're also happy that somebody just comes to them and talk with them. Yeah. So, and just uh, and, and one more thing that I'm reminded of, and then we we talk about the second thing that I love so much about your answer, but is also that sometimes I had the feeling like, oh, that this was the wrong person or he or she is not really useful. This sounds horrible. And yeah. I really had to learn that sometimes after so many years, you run back in that person and yes, there was something still, right? Yeah. So it's really 
useful to just have nice, genuine conversations. And you never know what it will lead to. Sometimes five years afterwards, you say, hey, we talked then and now you're into this company and now we can work together. Yeah. And that's also interesting. Building just genuine heart-to-heart contact is fantastic. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about this courageous aspect because at Hatch, that's the um, company that I'm the scientific advisor for and that makes this podcast, we've defined a set of capabilities that we believe organizations and individuals need in order to be able to become future-proof, to future-proof the world, basically. And one of the major themes actually has to do with developing courage. So no longer be afraid. Uh, the courage to be innovative in your thinking, to be able to say, well, we have been doing it in this way, but I don't believe we should keep on doing it in this way. Yeah. So I really want to come up with something new. What what do you think about courage? What's your experience? What Do you agree that the world needs more courage, courageous yeah. leaders? Yeah, we need definitely more courage uh, <laughs> in every aspect of our society, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, politicians, uh, even just people working at desks all day. Um, for me, I, I had a kind of uh, aha erlebnis when somebody asked me, Louis, imagine if you could do anything and whatever you do, you would not fail. What would you do? And it, it became part of my DNA. So now every time I have in my head, okay, for example, there were not enough night trains in Europe. They were all gone. And there were some uh, groups advocating for more night trains. And I was thinking, okay, we need more night trains. What could we do about it? And then the, the, the voice came back to me, but the guy that told me, what if nothing could go wrong? And I said, okay, what if nothing could go wrong? And we just start a night train company. And uh, we just started a night train company. And it because, worked, yeah. Uh, what, what can go wrong is that you fail. And that's that's the biggest thing in life that you could be afraid of is to fail because, or you lose money, which is, you can always get your money back. But two, you lose face uh, and you lose self-confidence maybe. And maybe other people will think you are stupid maybe uh, because you failed. So that's a kind of, uh, you, you want to set high ambitions, but if you set high ambitions and you communicate it to the world, uh, then you become very vulnerable because if you don't make it, yeah, then you could be a loser in your own mind or you think that other people might perceive you as a loser. So how do you deal with that? Because you you now have the ambition to transform 15% of Europe agricultural land into food forest. So how do you deal with that? Like, do you, would you consider yourself a loser if it's not going to work or do you self, do you self-care in order to keep the spirits up? How do you work with such a high ambition? Uh, well, I, I, I love, I love the, I think it was Oscar Wilde that said, uh, aim for the stars. And if you miss, then you can land on the moon or something like that. Also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Also pretty good. Uh, so, um, I, I try to keep aiming for the stars, aiming for that 15% of food forest and, and just keep on giving everything I have, everything I can to achieve this goal. Um, every day I'm, I'm writing articles about food forests. I'm, I'm also writing a book about food forests. I'm, I'm designing food forests all over the place. Um, I, I'm giving speeches about food forests. It's just 
trying to keep the put the food forests in people their minds tell why this is one of the holy grails in agriculture why we need more of them so i just give everything i have and I love the analogy of trees. So I consider myself to be a pioneer tree. What is a pioneer tree? Uh, that is if there is a barren land, um, for example, if you just put a bucket outside in a while, there's gonna become, becomes dirty. It's gonna be little plants in that bucket. And if you leave it long enough, there will grow a tree in that bucket, bucket just out of nowhere. And that tree will probably be a birch tree. That's um, a pioneer tree. So if land is like really horrible shaped, a pioneer tree grows on it and it will produce a lot of seeds to really uh, just uh, dominate that entire place and to prepare the soil. So the soil is prepared that then the climax trees, the big trees, so just, uh, such as the oak, uh, the oak trees or the beech trees can grow and they need the pioneers. Without these pioneer trees, the, the, those trees cannot grow. And from the moment the oak trees start growing, then the pioneer trees go away. For me, it's the same thing. Uh, and but why am I, am I saying this? A pioneer tree just uh, puts out millions of seeds every year again, millions mm -hmm. of seeds. And maybe there's one of those seeds that will grow into a big tree, but it doesn't demotivate that tree. That tree just keeps giving, keeps doing, keeps doing, because the tree believes in itself. The tree believes that one day, maybe one of his offspring is going to grow in a beautiful tree. So that's the kind of mindset that I try to keep. Yeah, and it also it almost sounds like you're not giving yourself any space for kind of wandering into doubt because you're listening to the audiobooks, reading about it, writing about it, talking about it, right? You're surrounding yourself with this dream and then it's your life. That's yeah. how it sounds, yeah. Can I just ask you one last question? Um, what is your hope for the future or what is your best tip for future-proof leaders or companies? Yeah, well, I think that's the, we are destroying the earth right now. It's clear in almost all aspects. If we do not do something, the human race will cease to exist. Um, and at the same time, we feel as people that we are powerless about it. And I, I believe that those two things are connected. We are all feeling as a victim because a victim, the definition of a victim is that things are happening and we cannot do anything about it. But that's a kind of mentality that I think is ingrained in our society and also ingrained in, our, in the education system. So I would say to entrepreneurs, uh, first of all, don't be a victim. Eh? Um, try, to, uh, try to get out of this victim pattern. And uh, also help other people to, to, to just show them how they can make very tiny steps to change their own lives and change the lives of other people and of the planet. Because it is possible, and I've, I've seen it hundreds of times where people are, they, they, they call me and say, oh, Louis, they're really destroying uh, here this piece of community land here. What can I do? And I say, okay, let's write a letter together. Let's send it to the politician. And maybe they will listen. And it happens a lot that they say, oh my God, I just did something and I saved like this piece, this piece of land where now there are growing trees and they were going to tear it down. So those little steps, it is possible to make a difference. And I would and say- And I think, yeah, I think this goes back to what you said before, like a lot of the ideas don't develop because people don't even dare to start them, right? Because they're so afraid to fail. But sometimes yeah. you, can, you can do it with a little investment of money or you can just decide, it's okay if I lose this money because I will lose 
if I can always win back the money, just take another job if it doesn't work, but I can never win back time or energy. And that is perhaps yeah. what you would regret if you haven't put that into it, right? Yeah, yeah wonderful. You, but if you are this tree, you are doing 100% what your passion is, then it comes naturally that you can give. So one of the things is also do what you like, because if you don't do what you like, then spraying thousands of seeds every year, it's a burden and you don't like it. So that's find another career, find another job and and try just to love what you're doing and then yeah. whatever. Because that is that is how it sounds. Like it sounds very idealistic what you've been doing, but it also sounds like you've been strengthening your muscle. That's how we always call it. We help people to become more courageous. So you're strengthening your your training your courage muscles, and you have a pretty damn nice adventurous life because you seem to be doing and listening and learning about a topic that really motivates you. Yes, I love it. <laughs> sounds cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. With pleasure. Thank you for, very much for having me here and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. And for all of you listeners, thank you for listening to the episode of the On Machine Yourself podcast. If you found this story as inspiring as I did, and if you want to become an innovating tree or a birch spreading around your seeds, then please do share this episode with your own network and get the ripple effect going because we really, really need more future-proof leaders and organizations. You'd also make us really happy with a review in iTunes simply because that makes this podcast easier to find for other people. Hope you will listen again next time. Bye.